This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Vanity Fair. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. I am delighted and proud to introduce him as Academy Award winner. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to the winner. It's a tie. And any little girl who's who's practicing their speech on the telly, you never know. Mom, I just want an Oscar. I am Katie Rich. I'm here for today's interview episode with David Canfield. Hi, Katie. David, this interview today is kind of a reunion. It's a full circle experience from award season because you talked to Sandra Huller at Telluride, um, kind of knowing that Anatomy of a Fall was poised to break really big coming from Cannes, doing the fall festival circuit. Um, you really uh, called your shot on her in the summer. Um, <laughs> I did. You know, it had won the Palm Noir. Like there was some sense of it. But yeah, you talked to her then. You've talked to her a few times throughout the season. And now you've caught up with her. She's finally on the podcast. Um how has she changed? What's what's she like now compared to back in August? I love that question. Um, so I profiled her as well after Telluride um, for the magazine. Getting to know her a little bit more for that piece, she's an interesting figure. She's somebody who the experience of interviewing her and, and seeing her slowly open up and have this kind of guarded quality to her is one that I find quite similar to her appeal as an actor. Um, and, and I Try to draw that out a little bit. Uh, just this thrilling experience of slowly getting to know her, or as well as an interviewer can, anyway. Um, and so it was fascinating, however many months later, to talk to her and hear kind of from the get go, like her talk about how emotional um, a lot of the you know campaign has been for her, and and how it's taken her by surprise. She seemed pretty skeptical of that when I first started talking to her for mm. this film. Uh, and she has let those emotions uh, come her way more recently. I love that because I, she has seemed like someone who's going to be like, oh, I mean, I'm going through all this stuff, but like I got a whole life outside of this. I'm going to go do mm-hmm. theater. Like, I, I don't need all this. But I love that she is kind of um, susceptible to all the the sweep and drama of this process that we love so much. Um, how how did it get her in the end, do you think? We talked about the luncheon uh Aside from the dog. <laughs> uh, and she is a dog person, so I, I could tell she oh, enjoyed yes. that. Um, but just the feeling of being in the room with all of those people, you know, it is an extraordinary mm-hmm. experience for people who've never had it before. You had a lot of first-time nominees this year. So she talks pretty specifically about that making her emotional. And then I, I think it's just the fact that Anatomy of a Fall and Zone of Interest have resonated to the degree that they have. She talked even about the campaign, you know, the the mechanics of it being more sincere and less cynical than she thought, more about the work. Um, Mm. It challenged her expectations a little bit. 
Yeah, I I really love that. I mean, as you said, she is someone who challenges expectations. That's kind of the entire text of Anatomy of a Fall is kind of what you do with a woman who is this kind of self-possessed and not willing to to fall into the trap set mm-hmm. in the courtroom scenes. So I like that being in the same room as Martin Scorsese can make her a little bit more just like the rest of us, right? <laughs> a little <laughs> dazzled by the whole experience. Just a tad, yes. Yeah. She'll be back to doing stage work before too long, though. <laughs> yes, I, I assume she has plenty more on her plate after this. Um, well, I'm really excited to hear more about it. Let's hear your conversation with the star of Anatomy of a Fall, Sandra Huller. Uh, well, Sandra, I know you're a dog person, and I'm sure you're getting asked a lot about uh, messy following <laughs> uh, <laughs> all you nominees around. Um, I'm curious how you've experienced that part of the campaign. I know you were at the luncheon, for instance, and he seemed to be the star of the show. Yeah, good for him. I mean, <laughs> that's really, um, I've never been part of this sort of thing before, so I don't know. I mean, for me, as long as the dog has fun, I have fun too. So that's that's totally fine. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about, let's say, an event like that, just how you found even navigating it when you're with all these fellow nominees, many of whom, like yourself, are first-time nominees? What is the mood? What kinds of things are you looking out for? Things like that. Well, you know, to me, this whole nominees luncheon was surprisingly emotional and for several reasons. First of all, I met all my fellow nominees in the category, which was so wonderful because I admire them very much since a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we had the chance to say hi and thank each other for the flowers that had been delivered. <laughs> it was such a nice gesture between everybody. I didn't know about this at all. And also, I like the fact that it's a room full of People who have already won. There was no competition at that day. It's very much different, I think, from the Oscar evening, the Oscar night, because then everybody's so tense and nobody knows what's going to happen. But at that point, we were all just nominated. And that felt really, really warm. And I noticed a sense of a little kind of private pride in myself that I was in there with so many people that I admire. So it was a beautiful afternoon. I really, really enjoyed it. Did that feeling of private pride surprise you? Is that one you do not get too often? (laughs) Oh, well, you know, it's, I mean, pride is one of the, I think one of the deadly sins, no? So it's not something that, yeah, see, it's not something that you rock around every day, but, you know, I would never have expected myself to be in that space and I had no idea what it felt like and I just enjoyed it. Is there anything, I mean, you've been on this, you know, quote unquote circuit off and on now, really, you could say since can, certainly since Telluride. Is there anything about these last few months that have really surprised you or or taken you aback just in the, the way it works, the way you have to show up, things like that? Well, I would have assumed before from the outside, it's kind of a cold business, but it doesn't feel that way from the inside. The people that I'm working with feel very, very dedicated and I have a lot of respect for the work of everybody, also of mine. And I don't feel like it's sort of exchangeable or something. It really feels like they mean you and not anybody else. So that surprised me, really. I had assumptions that weren't just not true. 
Yeah, um, I think that that can definitely show up, um, especially in a year when you have films like two of which you're in, Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest, being recognized that are not, at least in the United States, uh, the most commercial uh, Mm -hmm. of offerings. And it does require, I think, that level of respect that you're talking about. Yes. And also, I mean, let's not forget they have not been made with this whole thing happening now in mind. They've been Mm -hmm. made in Europe um, for probably a smaller audience than it is now. So nobody had seen that coming. Um, Yeah. So you are given that those two films are both nominated for Best Picture, I would say kind of the face of, of something that we talk about on this podcast a lot, which is the globalization of the Academy, the internationalization of, of the Oscars, essentially, which is a, an exciting development, an overdue development. In your work, and both these films were, of course, made in Europe, is it something that you'd kind of observed? Of course, uh, you say that these were not made with that in mind, and, and that is certainly the case. But even just the awareness of the Oscars, the kind, the component uh, that goes into, obviously, taking them around now as you are, is it something that you feel over there now? Well, obviously, I like this development. <laughs> There's, I appreciate it very much. I also think that's kind of very modern. That's the world we live in. We mm-hmm. cannot make films just for a specific country. It doesn't make sense because the things that happen in the world kind of uh, have to do with everybody. That's what the globalization is about. So, um, so that's a, I think that's a good thing. And it's about time that this happens. And I'm not, I cannot speak as an American because I am not one. I don't know how American people feel about this. It could be different, but it's really surprising. And we can only assume that it also has to do with the strike and that the American film industry didn't work for some time or wasn't able to work, that we had the chance to show our stuff more. But at the same time, this feels like you would take away something from the quality of the films, that we were just lucky, which is also true, but not only, you know, it's just also really good work. And I mean, they obviously are for everybody. I mean, when we show both films around the world, people connect with it in a way that really it's it's really astonishing the private stories that we hear from everybody the family stories we hear from the people their assumptions that they make especially about this uh, anatomy of fall that is breathtaking and um i mean this the whole oscar circuit started obviously when american studios bought our films we didn't know about how this would work before when the film were entered to Cannes and when they were accepted in Cannes and all these things. So it started right after. Yeah. So we're learning constantly how this is working. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating system and a a very quickly evolved. Yeah. A very quickly evolving system. And of course the way it works is the more they nominate, the more go into the Academy and it kind of builds and builds and builds. Yeah. And I think the more diverse the quality is, that is, that is shown there, that is brought to this place, the better it is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. In terms of those conversations you're having, I think Anatomy of a Fall especially is is a movie that it is really gratifying to me as somebody who has always wanted to see more international representation at the Oscars to see how that kind of recognition has allowed it to kind of explode here a little bit. I mean, the amount of people I know who've seen it who have not seen other uh, Oscar contenders, is it's a very high number. 
Compared to other films you've made, have you noticed the conversations around it different at all, even just in, you know, people from different countries bringing their perspectives and things like that? Yes, definitely. I mean, it was a bit similar with Tony Edmund seven years ago, although we also came to this point that we are in now. Mm-hmm. And still people talk to me about that film whenever I'm here or in other countries. They, every, It feels like everybody knows it. So that feels similar. Um, also, there are people connected to it personally, their personal stories, the, the, the story with their parents or with their father or their daughter or whatever. Um, so it seems to work on a very private, <laughs> personal, <laughs> intimate level. Yes, um, definitely. Ha- Justine has recently said, I believe, that she will, in due time, meaning many, many years, um, <laughs> reveal <laughs> reveal the the answer, the the great answer um, to whether or not Sandra did it. Uh, you yep. know, it Can't in quotes. <laughs> Do you have a prediction? Can't wait. Oh, you know, sometimes I wake up at night and I have a nightmare that I did it all wrong and she actually did it. And I, uh, yeah, I really don't know. I mean, all the three versions that we see in court make sense. That's the great thing about this film. All the three possibilities are actually really, really possible. So no idea. I'm not even sure if she if she knows the truth or if she just wrote the story <laughs> about around this black hole of not knowing. No idea. The Run for Revoke is where you'll meet all the most exciting people in fashion and culture. I am Fran Libowicz. Um, we should be the mayor of New York. We all support yeah. that. We support that. Very <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nikki. Yes. It's been really great she being in this beautiful pink room. All right, Asher, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Can you hear me? We can. We can. All right, here we are. <laughs> On the podcast, you'll learn how Vogue really works. Sometimes we'll come in for a second or even third run through until we are AWOK. Can you tell us what AWOK means? It means um, A-W-O-K, and a winter OK. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And we're the hosts of The Run Through with Vogue, where fashion and culture collide. Join us. It's AWOK. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Wondry's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. You and Justine, uh, and we've talked about this, have a had a quite tight working relationship on this movie. Um, the interesting thing about a campaign like this, though, is you're you're talking about the movie together very frequently. Have you gained any new insights just from listening to her talking about the movie and talking with her about the movie so long after you made it. Oh, yes, but it's so much that I cannot, I could not pick one. No, there are a lot of insights every day, especially in the writing process with Arthur Harari, um, how they created everything, how long it took, um, that it wasn't meant to be that long because COVID came and and like uh, lengthened the whole process and made them... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> be together 
around the clock, you know, all these things I didn't know, for example. I think what connects us also is the that we love to work really hard. We're not so good in taking in the praise that comes after. So that's, I watch her sometimes and we have to tell each other that it's a good thing that's happening and we can, hmm. <laughs> we can keep it and we can be, yeah, a, a little proud sometimes, yes. Hmm. Um, have you noticed a difference perhaps in roles coming your way, projects in the air? Um, I imagine you've gotten to meet um, some filmmakers here, um, but it's also just a level of exposure that is, I, I would think, quite different. It is quite different. And the good thing is that it's taking place here. It's got nothing to do with where I live. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, so the industry in my country works really, really differently. Uh, we we just, today we found out that it's, I don't know how, how many awards it is, 200 awards in this country. We don't have that. Um, it's a we lot. Have, I, we ha I think we have three or four. So... Um, yeah, so this whole business around the, the like the, the creating this buzz to that point where the Oscars are actually given to the people who have won, that, yeah, that is something that we have to get familiar with. Some things are happening that I'm very happy about, but of course I cannot talk about them now. It's a bit different from seven years ago, mm -hmm. and it seems to be really, uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a very exciting tease. I'm sure you'll be able to talk about it in due time. Um, but yeah, that, that is always nice to hear that that, it, the, that bump, as they say, is, is indeed real. Yes, it is real. And I'm very happy about it. Yes. Yeah. So more on that soon. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I know. No, no. I, uh, I, I understand. I, I have to try, you know. Um <laughs> Going back to the fact of these two films, um, of course, Justine is a French filmmaker. This is a French film. So of Interest comes from a British director, German language film. Before this, I mean, obviously, I think it'll change a little bit as you're, you're alluding to, but um, how did you find navigating between, you know, different countries acting in different languages? And I know you've talked about wanting to play in different languages and push yourself in that regard. Yeah, that hasn't changed. I mean, I'm still willing to learn about other languages as well. To me, it's like a <laughs> it's a great way to spend your time. Actually, also it's good for your mm -hmm. brain. It keeps you young, and you can yeah. The 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 process of learning something new is something that makes me really happy. So, also when a character speaks another language, it immediately like forms the character. The voice is changing. It depends on where the language is sitting, more in front or more in the back, if it's a higher or, you know, these are all things that have to do with a character at that point. And I I really love to to explore these things. It's a very physical, but it's a really <laughs> metaphysical uh, uh, thing. I, I love it. Um, coming off of a film like The Zone of Interest and the reluctance I know you'd had in playing Nazi characters before this film... How have you found talking about it? And especially you mentioned some of the conversations and the ways this movie's affected people. It's a movie that I think, unlike Anatomy of a Fall, can leave people in a kind of silence and uh, require a little bit more absorption. I'm just wondering how those conversations have been for you. 
Well, they've been very emotional, very respectful, uh, also very private. A lot of things I cannot share because mm-hmm. people yeah, tell their family stories. It seems to have brought an awareness to people around the fact how the world is changing now and what we are living now and what we are living with every day. So that the modernity, the, like the, that the fact that Jonathan didn't want to make a period piece, but he wanted to make a film about now and us seemed to have really worked out. Um, people connect. Some people do, not everybody, of course. There is, mm-hmm. uh, I cannot control the audience, but, uh, some people really make this bridge to their own life decisions that they make every day. And, they seem to have a higher awareness of that now after seeing the film. Yeah, I think that's very true. Given the uh, increased level of attention, uh, is there a film of yours that did not get a lot of attention uh, that you hope people maybe seek out as if they're more interested in your work? I think Sybil is a movie people are starting to discover uh, here at least. Uh, And Tony Erdmann, you mentioned, is one that has a lot of fans. Anything else? I'd love people to see Sybil. It's such a great film. Uh, Virginie Efira and Ander Alexa Chopoulos, they're magnificent in it. Um, everybody should see it. Um, I've done a film with a woman called Nanook Leopold. It was my first foreign language film. She's a Dutch filmmaker whom I adore. And uh, she made a film with me called Brownian Movement. I still love it. I think when I look at it now, I was a bit young for the role, but uh, we are trying to find out (laughs) if it's possible to just remake it now because now I have the right age, I think. So this is something that I would love people to see. And of course, Requiem, my first first film ever. Yes. Uh, Back on Brownian moment, did you feel nervous about acting in another language? No. No, I didn't. Because, of course, also, it's the same thing. Uh, Nanook is not a native English speaker. She's a Dutch speaker. So we had to, there was no sense of looking for perfection in any way. You know, it was more about, as Jonathan always said, that art is a universal language. You cannot, it doesn't matter how you speak. It it matters that people understand you, uh, like what you are, what you want to say. And now, not how accurate you are able to say it, I think. Yes. So tonight there is a, uh, the the night we're recording, the day we're recording this, there's an event for Anatomy of a Fall, a live read. Uh, I'm curious what your expectations are for something like that, if you're going to that, things like that. Oh, I have, I'm really curious how this is going to go. And at the (laughs) same time, I, I will not watch because I think it must be, strange for the people who read who work on this at that moment to have the actress who has played the role before sit in the audience i find that awkward so i will say hi (laughs) i'm really happy to meet everybody because there's such great actors in that so i will just say hi to everybody and then i will leave and let them do their work which will be wonderful i'm sure I have met um, some rather famous people here who love your movie. I'm curious who you have met who has shared who've shared some some thoughts about it that have stuck with you. I'm not a name dropping person. <laughs> that's what, that's what we love about you, Sandra. <laughs> but I ha- yeah, I really have to say there were some really really overwhelming moments 
uh, there and people that I've heard of and people who are sending their regards. That yeah, I can. I'm, I'm I very much appreciate it. Yeah. Um, when last we spoke, you had described essentially going back to Germany in the middle of this campaign and and going back to do stage work. Uh, I'm wondering what you have lined up for after the Oscars. I assume you're getting you're going to be ready to get back to something to some work. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been work. The the past months has been like completely full of work, but not of the creating work, not the creative part yes. of it. Yes, a, a good distinction to make, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, it's important. Um, it's also putting out a lot of things, but not. it's not about inventing something. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do a little stage work. That's true. There are a lot of uh, pieces that we've done a long time ago are coming to the surface again now because... Obviously, people want to buy tickets for it, which I didn't do before, which is a kind of it's a bit strange, but okay, let's huh. feed them. And um, then I will do another film with Markus Schleinzer called Rose, about a woman in the 17th century who was dressing up as a man going to war. Mm. I think simply because it's easier than living as a woman at that time, um, which mm -hmm. says a lot about the whole thing. And um, I'm very much looking forward to that. Hmm. So if I heard you correctly, the, the stage shows are, they're now selling tickets and before in the plays you did, they did not. Not so much, no, which is also really strange because we've all, the, I mean, I'm not alone on stage. We have, I've been working yes. with a lot of people who are on that stage too. And we did a, a good work, I think, but the recognition comes now after all the buzz. So it's a bit I, I assume that for my colleagues, it's not so easy sometimes. Hmm. Um, so comes a, a change in profile, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, not always the not always the most comfortable thing. I, I would I would imagine. Yeah, it's a sort of a transition, and we have to be mindful about it. I mean, there's a lot of conversation in the teams and the ensembles about this. I don't want to be ignorant mm -hmm. about the things that are happening to them at the same time that are happening to me. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new uh, translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Oh. Really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I'm, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and, and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. <laughs> um, I'd love to ask you a little bit about uh, your relationship to the Oscars. Uh, had you watched the show regularly before? Do you remember the first time you watched it? I don't remember the first time I watched the Oscars, but I remember that I have watched them when I was younger and we I was still able to stay awake for a whole night because they started two in the morning in Europe. So uh, to see them live, everybody would have to 
like skip a night of sleep. So the older I got, I just watched the recordings of it. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the broadcast after. Do you have any particular plans for, for this show? Are you going as a nominee, of course. Uh, you'll be with two films. You know who you're going to bring, things like that? We're trying, everybody's trying to bring as many people as possible from the team. So that's the plan. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, uh, that right now for a lot of people who are going for the first time, there's a real, it's a negotiation of, of who gets to go. It can be stressful. It can be stressful, yes, but we will not let it be stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. I like that answer. That does it for today's show. We'll be back on Thursday. Find us in the meantime at Vanity Fair, on social media at VF Awards Insider. I'm out there at Katie Rich and David. David Canfield, 97. Our editor and producer, as always, is Brett Fuchs. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR.